I would invite you to get a copy of the scripture somewhere that you can look at and turn to Matthew's gospel. This is the first book in the New Testament, Matthew and chapter 11. Matthew 11, verses 28, 29, and 30. Matthew 11, and let's look at this text together, beginning in the 28th verse. The Lord Jesus said, Come to me, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, what a sweet passage of Scripture this is. I am sure this has been the text for countless sermons throughout the history of God's people. What a balm this is for a weary soul. What a heavenly ointment for a broken heart. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This passage is so simple, and yet I have found profound indeed. And it is intensely personal. Our Lord Jesus stood before His followers. And He stands before you today in spirit. Our Lord Jesus stands before you today in spirit, calling out this great invitation that now echoes down through the generations to us. Come to Me. Come to Me. And I love that. That's just... That is, that is really the, the gospel call. Come to Jesus. It's not come to religion or come to rites or come to rituals or rules. Come to me, Jesus says. Not rules. God, of course, has many rules. But God's rules are not the heart of what it is to be His. Not the heart of Christianity. Come to me, Jesus says. Not come to an organization, but come to me. No doubt many have been turned off by corrupt religious organizations. But Jesus does not bid you to come to any particular organization, He's asking you to come to Himself. Every organization created by man, even the ones that are ordained by Christ, are flawed at best and failing. But Christ, Jesus, will never fail. The one who stood up and said, come to me, is always sufficient. He did not say, come to a religion or come to rules or come to an organization, or come to a set of rituals, but come to me. Many people think that Christianity is about observing certain 
rituals and doing certain ceremonies. And if you do them right and you do them faithfully, then you will be a Christian. But our Lord said, come to me. In him, friends, is hidden all of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. In Christ Jesus is everything. He is the wisdom of God, the righteousness of God, the sanctification and redemption from God, all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. This is why we are told to lift our eyes off of earthly things and set our eyes on the one in the heavens. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Christianity is about coming to Christ, coming to the Lord Jesus. And I wonder if there is someone who has a lot of religion but very little Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you have been around religious things, but you have never really come to know the Savior. You've never come to Him personally and had Him absolutely transform your life. Oh, what a sweet invitation it is that goes out. Come to me. And that invitation is really for a particular audience, isn't it? Take a look at the text again. Our Lord said, come to me, all you who, what? Who labor and are heavy laden. All you who labor, the word means to toil to the point of exhaustion. Is there anyone here this morning who is exhausted, spiritually or emotionally exhausted? I tell you this morning that the Savior is calling on you today. You who are weary, come. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, he says. All those who are weighed down. Which is usually a reference to a load that is appropriate to someone or something, but because of that person's weakness, they're nearly crushed by it. They're weighed down. They're heavy laden. And I want to tell you this morning that Christ Jesus is calling to those who are weighed down under the weight of God's law, under His expectations, and under their own sinfulness. Is that you this morning? God is Christ is calling to those who are weighed down under their trials and under the sense of their own failures. I want you to hear the voice of the Savior calling to you this morning, come to me, you who labor, you who are heavy laden. To those who know their inadequacies, He calls them to come. To those who have been brought low, He extends his invitation to those who have nothing to say to him at all except, Lord, help. He says, come. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Oh, what a gracious Savior, isn't he? Amen, he is. You know, so many people would look at you in your own brokenness and your own failure and say, what's wrong with you? Get your act together. Suck it up. Stand on your own two feet. Aren't you strong enough to bear these things? But the Savior said, come to me and bring your burdens and bring your cares and your inadequacies and your failures. Come to me and I will 
carry you. What a gentle and gracious Lord He is. And of course, there are plenty of people who never feel burdened or heavy laden. They are going throughout life just um, as seemingly carefree, without any sense of guilt weighing down on their shoulders. Do you know people like that? People who just seem to have no sense of sin at all in their lives. They're just, they're going to do their own thing and uh, they're going their own way. But I tell you, those are not the people who hear Jesus' voice calling them to come. Amen? It's those people who know that they're broken, who know that they're needy, who know that they are inadequate, who hear with joy the Savior calling to them, saying, come, come to me. In the Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan's famous allegory, the the, uh, main character Christian is living in a town with his family and his friends, and he ends up leaving that town, leaving everything that he's ever known his whole life. And he does so because he bears something on his back, right? He bears a great burden on his back. But I tell you what, he is the only one in his town who feels it. All those other people with their invisible burdens are going around as if everything else is fine, but he feels the weight of his own sin, of his own failure, of his own inadequacy, crushing him under its weight. And it causes him to run to the gospel gate and to begin the path to the celestial city where he will come across the hill of Calvary and his burden will finally roll away. It is a grace of God if you have felt or if you feel the weight of your own sin on your shoulders, the weight of your own failures and inadequacies, because you are, my friend, you are ripe to hear the Savior's voice. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Come to me, Jesus says. Come to me, which implies, of course, that we're not naturally with him. And that's the truth. Our sins have alienated us from God, have separated us from God, from all of the joy, all of the delights that are in God's presence. In His presence is fullness of joy. If you don't feel that, it's because sin has separated you from God. And Christ says, come to me, come to me, and you will find rest for your souls. Consider the grace of that word, come. Come. To the the ones whom he should say, depart from me, he says, come. To the ones who have sinned, to the one who's to the people whose sins will be shortly laid on his own shoulders and he will bear their guilt on the cross of Calvary he says come come to me with your sins with your failures with your burdens with your brokenness under the law come whatever your burden today come to the Lord Jesus whatever your sin your failure your weakness your trial the Lord Jesus says come Today, let there be a movement in your soul toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop running away from Him. Stop distracting yourself with a thousand other things. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
come to me, he says. And that call, notice in the text, is, is, is universal. The Lord says this little word that is such a great comfort to all who hear, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. All who labor, whoever you are. It doesn't matter if you're man or woman or boy or girl or old or young. Come to me. And I think it's especially significant in the light of the previous verses. Take a look at verse 25. We didn't read it earlier, but let's look at what Jesus is saying right before he uttered these famous words. At that time, verse 25, Jesus declared, In a prayer, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things. That is, hidden, God has hidden the gospel, the saving work of Christ's kingdom. He has hidden it from those who are wise, quote-unquote, and quote-unquote understanding. But God has revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. God has revealed concealed the gospel from some, but revealed it to others. He's concealed it from those who think that they know everything, and He has revealed it to those who say, Lord, help. I know nothing. I'm a child. And then Jesus said, verse 27, all these things, that is to reveal or to conceal the gospel, all of these things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. So just to be sure, just to be clear, Jesus isn't obligated to anyone. All have rejected Him. He reveals the Father. He reveals salvation to those whom He wills. But His gracious invitation is universal. Come all, all who labor and are heavy laden. Someone says, well, am I really one of his elect? He says, come, come and you would be one of his elect. Am I really ready to come? Am I really prepared to come? You know, friends, there is no preparation. You don't turn over a new leaf so that you can prove that you're really ready to come to Christ. Now, now, you're, now you're worthy to come. No, you just, there's only one requirement, and that is to be a person who's burdened and heavy laden, to know the weight of your own needs upon your shoulders. We sing, let not conscience make you linger, nor of fondness, uh, nor of fitness, excuse me, fondly dream. All the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. In another place, Jesus said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. But then in the very next breath, he said, and whoever comes to me, I will most surely not cast him out. This is a beautiful invitation extended to all who have ears to hear. Come, come, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's the exceeding precious promise of this, isn't it? I will give you rest. The promise to all who come, rest. What a promise that is. Rest. 
You know, this is what the human heart is longing for, is craving for, is, is a sense of, of settledness and rest, of peace and joy and confidence. Rest for your souls. It's too good to be true if it hadn't been promised by anyone other than the sovereign Lord of the universe. Come to me and you will find rest. In the beginning, in the creation, God worked, right? He labored. That's what the Scripture calls it. For six days. And on the seventh day, God rested. And that seventh day became a Sabbath, a day of rest for the people of God throughout the entire Old Testament. God promised those people a land of rest where they would find rest as a nation. But sadly, they were expelled from that land like Adam was expelled from the garden because of their unfaithfulness. But Christ... Christ Jesus, the one who uttered these words, Christ Jesus, I tell you, has finished the work that God gave man to do. You hear me? He has finished the work that God gave man to do. When he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He finished that work, was died, died was buried, and rose again, not on the last, but on the first day of the week which is our Sabbath day. So the creation ordinance of a rest day said work first and then earn your rest. But the redemption ordinance says that you rest in Christ and then you work as a response to all of the grace that He has shown to you. The original creation was forward-looking And so was looking forward in the end of the week to the last day, that day of rest. The new creation, on the other hand, looks back upon the finished work of Christ. And what a pleasant, what a what a sweet phrase that is, the finished work of Christ. Some of you have heard of the well-known missionary Hudson Taylor. Taylor grew up in a Christian home and his parents tried to teach him the gospel. But uh, in, in his youth, he was pursuing God by means of trying to be good enough to be considered a Christian, trying to, trying to make himself into a Christian, trying to um, uh, be uh, good enough that he might um, have, a, have a right standing before God. And he felt like uh, that was an impossible task, as anyone who's ever tried will feel. And at the end of the day, he said, you know, I'm just a sinner and I'm just going to live like a sinner. And so he went on in that apathy for a number of years into his teenage years. He was 17 years old one day when he was in his father's study. And there he found a little gospel pamphlet. And for lack of anything better to do, he picked it up and thought, well, I'll just read this. And when it gets too preachy, I'll put it down. And he says in his testimony that he doesn't remember a whole lot except this one phrase that just jumped off the page for him, and it was this, the finished work of Christ. The finished work of Christ. The work is done. What is necessary 
to establish a righteousness before God is finished. It's completed in Christ. He has done for us what we failed to do for ourselves to meet the righteous expectations of God. Oh, how we have failed in that. But Christ obeyed and He persevered. And the capstone of all of His obedient life was marked by the words, it is finished. And now, there is a real rest for those who are in Christ, not having to strive for their acceptance before God. There's a rest. Come, he says, and find rest for your souls. You who've been striving to be good enough for God, come to Christ and find rest for your soul. There is a rest for those who belong to Him. They can come boldly into the throne room of the Almighty God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that they will never be expelled like Adam and like Israel because Christ has finished the work. For them, there is nothing but rest and peace and confidence before God, secure in the the assurance that nothing will separate us from the love of God, which is what? In Christ Jesus, yes, our Lord. Friends, that's where rest is found. Rest from all of our labors, rest from our attempts to be um, right with God. It is found in Jesus Christ in resting, in relying upon Him alone, upon His finished work. And it will culminate in an ultimate, eternal rest in the presence of God forever. Hear the Savior's voice today. Come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. But now, in verses 29 and 30, I think Jesus implies an even further stage of the Christian experience. Take a look at those two verses, 29-30. Now in these verses, Jesus says, not just come to me, but uh, he says not just come to me and you will find rest and it will be given to you, right? All we do is come, but he says, take my yoke. He says, learn from me. He says, you will find rest. You're given rest, and now you will find rest. The rest that is first given is now learned and found. And I don't think it's too speculative to say that our Lord had in mind a deeper experience of the gospel, a growing experience of gospel rest. Now, to be sure, coming to Christ is the beginning of learning Christ and taking His yoke. But in the beginning, it is simply come to me. Come, not do, just come. Believe and trust. Rest and rely upon me. But those who come will also begin to learn to rest in Christ. 
Charles Spurgeon called this the rest after rest. The initial rest of coming to Christ and then the growing sense of rest as we learn to rest in Christ. We sang earlier of the goodness of our Lord Jesus and then we sang, I am finding out. Right now, presently, progressively, the greatness of his loving heart. I will give you rest comes before you shall find rest. This now is the rest of a learner. It's the rest of a disciple. It's the rest that of, of someone who learns to lean hard on Christ, to let him have control of their lives, to walk in His Spirit, to do His will more and more from the heart, to live in peace and enjoy the joy of Christ in all circumstances, no matter what's going on. Our Lord calls us to come to, to, to receive rest, but also to discover rest, a growing rest in Christ all the course of our lives. Let me give you an illustration that Charles Spurgeon gave long ago. He said, I have looked at this rest after rest as being like a treasure concealed in a precious box. The Lord Jesus gives to his people a priceless treasure box called the gift of rest. It is set with brilliance and laid inlaid with gems, and the substance thereof is of wrought gold. Whosoever possesses it feels and knows that his warfare is accomplished and his sin is pardoned. But after a while, the happy owner begins to examine more closely his treasure. It is all his own, and yet he has not seen it all. For one day, he detects in it a secret drawer. Given, he, he touches a hidden spring, and lo, before him lies a priceless jewel surpassing all the rest. It has been given to him, it is certain, but he has not seen it at first, and therefore he finds it. Christ Jesus gives us the gift of himself. And He gives us in Himself all the rest we can ever enjoy. Even heaven's rest lies in Him. But after we have received Him, we have to learn His value and find out by the teaching of the Spirit the fullness of the rest He bestows. Now, I say to you who have been saved, you who have looked to Christ, Spurgeon says, you who have looked to Christ, whether you looked this morning or 20 years ago, and found out all there is in the gift of Christ. Have you found all there is in the gift which Christ has given you? Have you found out the secret drawer yet? He has given you rest, but have you found the innermost rest which He works in your hearts? It is yours, for it is included in the one gift but it is not yours enjoyed, understood, and triumphed in as yet. Unless you have found it, the rest here meant is a spiritual, experienced rest, which comes only 
to those who find it by experience. And I think there is a lot of truth in that. There is a rest that comes to those who finally cease all of their striving before God and rest their souls upon Christ, but there is a a continued deepening experience of that rest that comes when we continue to hear our Savior's voice saying, come and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. Follow me. And this is what our Lord admonishes us. Take my yoke, he says. Take my yoke upon you. The yoke is an instrument of labor. It's an instrument of servitude. And the person who is just freed from the yoke of God's law may say in his heart, oh, not another yoke. Christ is going to take my yoke of sin and lawlessness upon Himself only to tell me that I have to take on another yoke upon myself. But it would be to our own destruction, hear me now, it would be to our own destruction if we were now to become a law unto ourselves. As if being freed from the law makes you a lawless person as if being delivered from the expectations of God's justice means that we live in an unjust and ungodly way. Oh, no, we need the yoke of Christ. A couple of years ago in the country of Sudan, there was a military coup. You probably remember that military coup was an attempt to overthrow a corrupt government. And it's been a couple of years since then, and what's happened over the last couple of years is that there has been a great instability in the country. Far from bringing uh, that country into a place of rest, it is now just as unrestful as it ever was, for there have been factions fighting between the civil government and the military and different factions within those, all competing against each other. This country is desperate for really good, stable government. That's where it will find rest. That's where any country will find rest. And so much so that just last month there was another coup to overthrow the government that has been existing or in in some way or another for the last couple of years. Friends, bare liberation is not true freedom. Christ didn't say, come out from the yoke of the law and of sin and of all of the just expectations of God and do whatever you want. He says, come and take my yoke upon you. Until you have really come under the government of Jesus Christ, you will not experience rest. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase, and have earnestly, fervently prayed, but you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control? You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield Him your body and soul. We said it in the uh, catechism this morning, right? What is your only comfort in life and death? You know how it starts? I am not my own. I belong to another. 
Say, that's not comfort. That's not rest. I want to be independent. I want to be my own man. No, that's, that's a yoke. That's slavery. Real freedom is coming under the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take my yoke upon you, he says, and learn from me. Learn from me what it is to be under a yoke. Our Lord Himself bore the yoke of servitude, didn't He? He came not to be served, but to serve. He bore our sins and carried our sorrows. As He says, He was gentle and lowly in heart. He bore the yoke of the law. He bore our burden of sin all the way to Calvary. And now He says, My disciples, learn from Me. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. And now he says to you, learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. Learn to take my yoke upon you. Take up your cross, he says, and follow me. And our hearts say, but I want to be at ease. I don't want a cross. I don't want a yoke. I want to be rid of all my labors. But friend, your self-denying, cross-bearing union with Christ is the means by which you experience His rest. That's what he's saying, isn't it? Come to me. Learn from me, take my yoke upon you, follow me, and you will find rest for your souls. It is ironic that Christ offers to those who find their burdens too hard to bear another yoke. Rather than bringing further toil, though, this yoke brings rest. This is why Paul prayed, Oh, that I may know Christ and may share his what? And I may share that I may share his sufferings. Why? It was, was Paul somebody who just loved torture? No, because he knew that that's where real rest is found. That's where you learn rest. That's where you experience rest. That's where you grow in rest, is taking the Lord's yoke upon you in union with the Lord Himself. And that's why uh, the the Lord says in the end here, come, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for my yoke is what? You see it? My yoke, He says, is easy, and my burden is light. What? How is it easy, someone says, to bear my cross? How is it Light to toil and to labor and to suffer for His sake. It's easy, friend, and it's light because it is His burden. Right? What does He call it? Take what? What yoke? Whose yoke? His yoke. Take my yoke upon you. It's easy and it's light because it's His 
burden. And just as he bore the burden to Calvary for us, he bears our burdens now through us and in us. It is light because he himself bears the lion's share of that burden. You get yoked up with the Christ. And I tell you what, that burden feels light because he's got strong shoulders. That's what he's saying. You contrast this with the religious leaders of Jesus' day, who he said in Matthew 23, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But listen, they themselves will not, are not willing to move one finger to help. They're not willing to lift them even with a little finger. The Pharisees wouldn't even lift a pinky. And yet Christ was lifted up on a cross to bear the burden of our sin and our guilt. And it is, he says, a a light, an easy thing to follow Him. It is a light and pleasant burden to serve the One who served and serves us. It is. When, and I t- it is. When your eyes are opened, even a little, as ours do tend to be, but when our eyes are open even a little to the magnitude of the burden that He bore out of love for us, oh, it's a light thing to go through this momentary affliction Bearing his yoke. <laughs> because, and and, and, and he, is, he is working in us and through us to bear that yoke. Because it's not only our yoke, it's his yoke. Say, but it feels like my yoke. There is a sweet... This is the heart of Christianity. This is the heart of the gospel. That you are brought into a gracious union with Jesus Christ. Isn't it? And so His cross was your cross and your burdens are His burdens. And He will not leave you, He will not leave His own children alone to bear their burdens if they will come to Him. If they will come to Him, they will find that beneath their shoulders are His own shoulders, strong and capable of bearing whatever burden He places upon them. Imagine a master who doesn't just command his servant, but he gets down and he works in and with his servant for their mutual joy together. This is the Savior. So now Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who what? Who lives in me. And he says that there's a rest in that. There's a joy, there's a peace in that. In spite of the fact that he faced shipwreck and hardship and beatings and stonings and being left for dead, he says, this is a light momentary affliction because I feel the strength of Christ bearing me through. And that will be true. I tell you, that will be true for all who will come to him, who will take his yoke upon them, who will learn from Christ They will find rest, he says, for their souls. Friend, are you burdened this morning? 
you know, we've just come out, out of Thanksgiving and we're headed to Christmas. And it is a fun and in many ways pleasant time of the year for so many people. Do you also know that it's one of the times that's the hardest for a lot of people too? The time when everybody else is celebrating and rejoicing and you're walking under a weight that is just about to crush you. Have you been burdened this morning? The Savior is speaking now to you right out of heaven and saying to you, come to me. Are you weighed down by your sense of of guilt, personal failures, and sin and brokenness? The Savior says, come, come to me. It is finished. The work is done. Find rest. You're struggling under the yoke of trials and tribulations. Run to Jesus and find rest. Surrender to His rule. It is sweet. His yoke is easy. Take up your cross. Follow Him. Lose your life for His sake and you will find it. Cast your burdens on Him and make His burdens your own and you will find them light because He will bear them with you. Where else in all this wide world would you go to be rid of your burden? To be helped with it? Who else would you turn to? Where else will you find the relief that your soul longs for? Every other distraction is temporary and short-lived. It is. And maybe grace has already caused you to find that out. But Christ, the mighty Savior, says, Come, come to me and find rest for your soul. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we do now come to you in the name of Jesus the Christ to find rest and acceptance before you. We do pray now that you would cause those who hear your voice today to know rest. To be able to find rest for their souls at last. And for your people who are struggling through great difficulty, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would so come to them that they would come to you, that they would find even in the midst of their difficulties a real joy and peace. Lord Jesus, these are your words. These are your promises. 
Your words are on the line. Pray that you would honor those who rely upon that and cast themselves upon you. Amen.